0: Welcome to the Fit for Tomorrow podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Sanders, physical therapist, and together I hope we can explore the best ways to stay fit, healthy, and active as busy adults. We all have a lot on our plate. So what is the most efficient way to exercise, eat, sleep, and train in order to continue to do the activities we love well into our future? I hope you enjoy this week's episode.
1: This is the Fit for Tomorrow podcast your home for everything physical therapy and the start to your road to recovery. For more information, visit our website at fitforfunction.com and schedule your free over-the-phone consultation. Once again, that is P-H-Y-T for function.com. And here's your host, Dr. Nick Sanders.
0: All right, everybody. So I'm with Jason Welch. Jason is the owner of CrossFit Cadre. Uh crazy busy man. He's all over the place. So I really appreciate you taking uh, taking some time here to talk to me. And we were just talking before we started recording about your travel schedule. It's insane. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about the why, like why you're getting into workouts. We're going to talk about master's athletes specifically and some of the adjustments you might have to make as a, as a master's athlete and uh, just how you kind of maintain an active fit lifestyle when you're working as much and traveling as much as as Jason is. So no better person to talk to than Jason. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. This is pretty cool. We get yes. to talk from uh, it's horrible weather here in Florida. It's seventy degrees. So,
0: I have an uncle who was sending pictures. They they just got a condo or something down there. He's sending
1: pictures. Well, yeah, it's so,
0: nice. Good for you.
1: I got a little taste of uh, Ohio last night for about thirteen hours. Turned around and came back. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you having me on on this podcast and. Uh, I'm excited to kind of give a little bit of reference, frame of reference from uh, from an old man's perspective, um, and why uh, some things that I encounter as a as a well soon to be this week I'll be 48. So uh, never this be, week, yeah, this week, man, the 13th. Happy birthday! Thank you. Uh, sometimes it's Friday the 13th, and so that scares people with the name Jason. I'm um, <laughs> my patients with uh, the mask on. It's nice hockey mask. Um, So
0: So, where are you going to be for your birthday? Are you, are you down? You're still.
1: Yeah. But the nice thing is I get to bring the wifey down, um, on Thursday. So she'll be down here for a long weekend and it'll be much deserved. She does a lot of, she's the reason I'm anywhere close to successful at anything I do. So, um, trying to include her in as much of the reward aspect of life versus, uh, risk and, um, (laughs) work with three kids that are older now, but still a lot of work. Um, yeah. Um,
0: so and and of course, Julie is also super active and in, in fit and kind of. It, it's always good seeing the content you guys put out and the, just the active lifestyle that, as a family, between you and the kids and everything else, is is impressive. So, how do you think? Um, how did you get started into the the CrossFit world specifically, and and what does it mean to you now? The fitness, you know, maintaining your fitness levels. Like, what is why is that important to you and why do you expect others to to want to do that as
1: well? Well, I guess we could go all the way back to my dad has always struggled with, uh, with his weight and, um, now with some of the factors of diabetes and he's done a great job. He's probably in the best shape he's been in years. Um, but watching that growing up, it was, I was always hypersensitive to it. And then as an athlete with football and wrestling, um, you know, being a big dumb lineman, I just, um. You know, you eat and lift and that's it. And so when I graduated high school, uh, of course, I kept eating and lifting, but not really doing anything else physical. So um, I kind of came to an epiphany um, in my early 20s that I needed to do something. So I started being physically active. Fast forward to um, 2009, I heard about this crazy um, exercise routine out of someone's barn. Uh, So was flipping tires and sledgehammers and that kind of thing. So I checked it out and, uh, really fell in love with it. And it wasn't the typical, um, meathead kind of thing. It was, uh, really pointed out, uh, basically everything I was bad at. So that was very humbling. And I, I really enjoy things in life. I'm kind of strange. I, I like to expose my weaknesses and then, um, try to capitalize on that. And, and even if I can make it of a degree change to improve those, uh, I'd like to do that. So, uh, then, 2012, we ended up opening up CrossFit Cadre, um, and never really looked back. It just, it's a, it's a great community, it's something that I really enjoy seeing people uh, affect change in their lives for the better. So, uh, especially my favorite athlete is a 50 year old female, late 40s, early 50s, uh, that comes into the gym and uh, is a little bit intimidated. She says she can't do pull ups or push ups. Uh, has dedicated her whole whole life to her family. She's kind of an empty nester now getting close to it. And so it's her turn now. And so, um, I tell them typically just give me a couple weeks. You'll see, it's not bad. And then three months later, they're down two, three dress sizes. They've got a little swagger when they walk in the gym. Uh, they know everybody by their first name and high five and everybody. And then pretty soon their significant other looks at them and is like, what are you doing? So then they come in and it just enhances their life, um, and their relationship. And watch people get their life back, get their mojo back, for lack of a better term. So that's why I really enjoy it now. Um, It's kind of like soul surfing for me. So um, personally, why I continue to try to do it is uh, just try to be as uh, functional as I can for as long as I can be um, and try to keep some good habits. So sometimes it's great with traveling, sometimes not so much.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's the travel obviously makes everything more difficult, but uh, I love what you said there about the, the, uh, the mojo piece of that. Do you think, do you think that's a confidence thing? Um, or is it actually a, you know, just that endorphin rush of exercise and actually creating some change? You know, I wonder how much of that spectrum we we play with.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I know I, when I am, um, physically active, um, my clothes could be differently. I, even if they, even if it's just a quarter of an inch somewhere, you know, a little millimeter change here, I feel better about myself. And that actually helps with confidence level inward. And like my inner ego, when I put clothes on, I'm like, okay, I feel like this isn't hugging me in the wrong places. Or even if it is, I don't feel blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's that plus, I think it's just how you feel after you've had a challenge and you've challenged yourself to something that seems really daunting. Uh, especially physically, a lot of people will look at these workouts, even experienced athletes. There's times like I'm, uh, frequenting, um, CrossFit. It's called uh, real fitness Naples down here and a CrossFit gym. And this, that's kind of where I go. I've been to all the different boxes down here, but even now I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, or no, a little bit more than that. Uh, but I still look at workouts like, Oh my goodness. I, that's a lot. And then when I'm done, I just feel great because I've I've executed something that I didn't think I could do. And um, it's just a great sense of accomplishment. And then you talked about um, my schedule and kind of how crazy it is and how I maintain things. Um, I did something early. I want to say it was uh, early December. I challenged myself because about four or five months leading up to that, I had just been way off my physical exertion and, and, and being in any type of routine because my work schedule is so crazy and I was just making excuses. So I did uh, my own burpee challenge. So I don't know if I told you this or not, but I did, uh, so about five years ago, I decided to try to push myself mentally and do a hundred burpees in a row. And so without stopping, I did that. And what that did was that, was that little cookie jar in my head that I just that away so when i have a workout and it really sucks and i'm doing 20 at a time I can go oh I can do 20 because I've done 100 in a row well i kind of turned it up a notch just to get myself moving and i didn't need any equipment or weights i just uh, decided to do 100 burpees a day unbroken uh, for 31 days so finished that up on january 7th and it really helped me kind of get my momentum back uh, i didn't have to do anything but just have some space to jump up and down on the floor and um, try to keep good form when i did it so so that really helped jumpstart me back into the path of, uh, getting into a gym, uh, whether it's here or in Ohio. Um, and you have some, when some you lose some, but, uh, at least I'm headed in the right direction. And I'm, I'm more active now than I was four or five months ago.
0: I mean, that's impossible to avoid. Like the, the hours that you're putting in are insane. And I know it, there's no way to, to justify that now, but, uh, I mean, I, every time I talk to you, it's like, where are you at? And it's, you're either on a plane or you're on the road or you've been, you know, 48 hours in a hospital somewhere. I mean, it's the schedule is intense. I, I, I've also been kind of messing with that. What is the routine that you can do that at least keeps you mentally sharp, right? Like we could put all these fancy program designs together and be like, Oh, we need, you know, hit agonist antagonist muscle groups and a combination of different planes of motion and energy systems. And it's awesome. But Part of just working it out is that mental discipline of kind of getting into that routine. And when the other buckets of your life are kind of filling up with stuff, you, you need to keep that movement piece going somehow. Um, so I, I love the idea of a burpee challenge. I've been messing with this month adding one rep a day doing a push up bodyweight squat, push up lunge. And yeah. just now it's one, right? There's no reason you can't do one rep. You know, mm-hmm. like it's zero time requirement. It's just, get off the couch and do one rep and then that turns into two to three to four um and we're just going to kind of see how that runs uh instead of jumping right into the 100 burpees because <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a little bit much but
0: it takes a special person to be like let me do 100 burpees just for fun
1: and then uh, you know i just i timed it every time and and sometimes i beat my time and then i wanted to get under six minutes that was my goal for my new year's resolution so i did on january 1st I, went after it and got under six minutes and it was a great sense of accomplishment. It was something that looked really daunting from the beginning, but it's just like eating an elephant. You just do it one bite at a time again, one burpee at a time. Um, but I think the way you're approaching it is really good. And I think a lot of people miss out on the first part of their day. I know a lot of people aren't morning people, but even if you get up five or 10 minutes early and do something, uh, to work on maybe just some breathing, um, a little bit of mobility, um, that can really change the trajectory of your day mentally. It's a really good purge and you don't have nothing should interfere with your time unless you have a little one, uh, that has unpredictable, which you probably don't know anything about that. Uh, we're, we're pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah we're pretty lucky. We're good sleeping. I
0: have, yeah. I have no complaints about her sleeping habits. She's, you know, you got maybe once a month where she doesn't follow her routine, but we're pretty lucky there. Like it's not enough for me to justify that as an excuse anymore. You know, it's, a yeah, uh,
1: it's, it's, uh, so if you can make time in the morning, cause typically that's your only safe time to get things done. Um, yeah. and that's just, I formed habits over the years of getting up really early and working out, but that's just a habit of doing it. But I started when my, our kids were really young. Actually, when I was in nursing school, I had to get up really early to get my exercise in before I even discovered CrossFit, um, and that formed a habit. But then especially I just found where after a day's work, I have zero left. I have zero mental capacity to just push. I mean, I can do it, but it's a struggle every time. And I can always find an excuse So the family always wants to be with me. So instead of taking time out of that, I would always just sacrifice the sleep um, in the morning and do it. And I've yielded um, pretty good dividends from that physically and mentally. Yeah. And once you get into that
0: routine, you kind of get into that habit, everything becomes easier. And I referenced it. I can't remember the author's name now, but there's an article where they actually like researched it and they showed that as you kind of get into an exercise routine, you make, you have better decision-making, your executive function gets higher. So you stay in that exercise cycle. The hardest part is getting in that exercise cycle. I, I feel like for most people, whether they're a new exerciser or they're coming back after a layoff or an injury, um, kind of re-kicking that habit. And, and I think that's where the challenges really excel because, It just gives you a a short goal to just kind of put your head down and go.
1: Yeah. Cause what do they say? It takes 21 days to form a habit.
0: Yeah. So if you get past that, past that initial cycle and, and kind of get things going, how do you balance, you know, the challenge in, in, you know, I look at it from my physical therapy brain says, well, we need sleep and we need, we need that recovery time and you need time with your family. How do you personally balance that spectrum of, all right, I'm pretty run down. I just need to get a night's sleep versus don't be a wimp. Don't break your routine. Keep, keep this going. Cause I think that's, it's real easy to justify. Okay. I need a break now. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what happens is a lot of people, um, they feel guilty if they're not actively working every day. Like there are some people, I see them, people go through the cycles of where they, um, you know, they drink the Kool-Aid, they start doing CrossFit, for example, and they, they're all in and they want, if they could do it seven days a week, they would. And we always tell people, look, it's really sexy and exciting right now, but I want you to know that there's no such thing as overtraining. There's under-recovery. And for a long time, I kind of scratched my head about that, but it's very true. And as I age, it's even more true. So one of the things that really helped me balance it besides listening to my body and kind of suppressing my ego a little bit is... Um, and probably within the last six months, I got one of these bands Um, and I wear it all the time. Um, Sorry, my lights here kind of flick on and off because they're saving energy in the hotel, I guess. Um, So I got that and it's been remarkable because it tells how my REM cycle is, my sleep. You can do it on Apple Watch, I believe. Um, There's all types of fitness, Fitbits and that that help tell you that. But this is really specific to how long I slept, what my recovery period is, my resting heart rate, my heart rate variability. There's a lot of interesting information and indices that are in there that help me decide whether I'm going to push harder or if it's time for me to, you know what, get to bed a little bit early tonight, just sleep in and then get up and do some type of active recovery. And then you're ready for the next day. Um, so that helps, um, that's helped a lot too, but it's just over years of experience. Um, you know, when we're 18, we wonder how we can, or, you know, when we were in college, we would start the night out at 10 PM, you know, that would be the start of our night. Right. I uh, was early. And now my kids are making fun of me because I'm in bed at eight 30 or nine. Um, cause I know I have to be up at three 30 the next morning. Uh, so it's, it is definitely a balance. It's challenging. Uh, you have to get your significant other on the same page as well, because that helps. Um, but yeah, that's the whoops really helped me a lot. Believe it or not, um, and listen to my body. Yeah, I got I got a whoop band recently,
0: and I let the battery die, and it's not on right now. But uh, <laughs> I get to charge the thing all the time. Um, It is nice though because it gives you numbers, right? Like you can at least double check yourself. Am I am I kind of slacking, or am I really kind of beat up? And um, it does seem to be pretty consistent. You know, I was kind of skeptical, but a lot of a lot of people now around me are wearing them and and I've kind of gained some trust in it. And I I do like it. I mean, it gives you that extra data for sure. You ever hear the, you ever hear the Jocko thing where he's like, you know, if I feel run down, he goes to the gym one more time. And then if he still feels run down the next day, then he's allowed to take a recovery day.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes there's uh, days like I didn't, for instance, last week I had a 6% recovery in my root band. Six. Yeah. And so. uh, So I was like, I don't care. I'm going to go to the gym anyway. And I did the Jocko thing where I went Uh and I did really well with the workout and I felt good. And then the next day I took a rest day off because I got my second COVID shot. So that morning, so I figured, eh, let's not push it. So, uh, but yeah, there, I think there is something to that. Um, but I think chronically, if people are pushing themselves to go into five day a week things, then you see a lot of your patients that come in, I've come in before with, with overuse injuries or, you know, your, um, your neurons don't fire the same when you're tired and you don't recover well. So you can get into bad positions and, uh, receive a barbell or a kettlebell or just tweak yourself doing something stupid, like putting your seatbelt on. But if you're not recovered, you're just not intact enough to, to move efficiently and safely. So, Uh, I'm sure you see it all the time. I mean, we've we've spoken before checking egos and you see a lot of injuries as a result of people's egos and you've seen plenty of mine.
0: Yeah. I I argue all the time that I think most injuries, yes, some are form. Yes. Some are technique and and we can improve that stuff and kind of increase your, your capacity or ceiling. But I, I wish I would record data on this, like for the last however many years, uh, instead of it just being my thought process, but I can't tell you how many injuries are more like well, I've been traveling for the last three days and then I try to hit this workout or I haven't slept well because I got this new thing at work or, you know, they so many times the injury comes with either a mental stress or lack of sleep. And and I do, I think there's two, there's two components that there's a true fatigue in the system and maybe your capacity is not as high, but also if your autonomic nervous system has shifted in a way that, that you're in more of a sympathetic kind of fight or flight mode, your muscle activation patterns are going to change because you're going to go to, you know, big gross movements and uh, you're going to lose some of those technical skills. So it's obvious in in real skill specific sports, like Olympic weightlifting and and, um, pitching and that kind of shooting a basketball where you need that fine motor control. And uh, I think you got to be careful with, with that stuff and and just kind of paying attention, but that's where the whoop band is nice because that, that, um, recovery percentage is based on your heart rate variability. So it gives you a little peek at that. Is there something going on with the autonomic nervous system where I'm in more of a sympathetic state and kind of gives you some data to to support that. But I I would be real interested to see if we could even make, say you're on a day where you're, you're at a 6% recovery in your root band or, or whatever, and you're feeling kind of stressed out. If we took out some of those skilled movements, those highly skilled movements, and just made them simple. You know, big movement patterns like a, you know, a box squat or, uh, you know, a deadlift from pins or something that doesn't require a lot of technical ability. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a huge, just a little slight adjustment that would keep a lot of people out of trouble. You know, skip the skip the full snatches that day where everything's got to be timed up perfect.
1: Right,
0: um, be one modification. What modifications? You know, we when we were kind of planning this thing, we want to talk a little bit about the master's athlete realm. What adjustments are you making as a master's athlete and what do you recommend to clients at the gym?
1: Um, that's a really good question. That's one that uh, it's tough. When you get to be, you know, 48 or even your mid thirties, the forties and, and above a lot of times it's harder to check your ego because you have more life experience and for some reason, you think that carries over into what your decision-making is for what movement pattern you should do or or uh, what weight you should use. But really, I think it kind of inhibits us a little bit more as master's athletes because we have that life experience. It gives us a false sense of confidence. Um, so things that I've had to do is, um, example would be uh, Jenna and I, um, she's my 19-year-old daughter. She's a beast. She's been a patient of yours and has rehabbed multiple injuries, and she's doing very well. Um, she'll kick my butt in all kinds of workouts, but we were working out father, daughter workout one day, just she and I in the gym. And it, it was, uh, deadlifts, maybe deadlifts and double unders. And I put, for example, 275 pounds on the bar was what was, um, RX. And, um, I ju- it just felt heavy that day for some reason. And so the wisdom of a 19 year old telling me and my ego getting in the way, was a perfect example. She goes, dad. You don't need to do 275, just do 225. No need to hurt yourself. So my nice. Does that make the ego worse?
0: Like when your daughter is like, (sighs) back off, dad. Right. Well,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, at first you're a little apprehensive. Like what? And then I thought about it and I said, you know, I'm telling people this all the time. You know, it's not about the weight. It's about the stimulus, what you want to get out of the workout. And again, I have a career um, as a professional and, and I have to be able to function uh to actually pay the bills. So uh I did. I scaled down to 225 and workout still kicked my butt. I wasn't injured at the end. And I thanked her for for recommending that. Um but I think it's harder for us as masters to, to really look at what our why as to why are we doing it. And a lot of times people get sucked into that CrossFit Kool-Aid, which you know you want to hear about CrossFit, just talk to a CrossFitter. they'll talk to you and I'll see them about the wonders of CrossFit. And uh, saying that as an affiliate owner, and as a longtime CrossFit athlete, it's it's not the, I want to say panacea, it's not the be all end all. We do incorporate some things in there, but there are some other things that you can do um, to incorporate yoga and wellness and even and just go out and do hiking, fishing, whatever, just something lifestyle quality, kayaking. Um, but just to see why you're doing it is the most important thing. So you, I think you more or less have to ask yourself, why am I trying to be a world-class athlete? No. In your mind, you may think you are, uh, but you're not. So it's your quality of life is basically what I try to tell people to focus on. And and, um, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. So literally check your ego at the door, come in, be ready to learn every day. And I think that's a better way to approach it. So I just scale like example, uh, let my ego get in the way down here. And I did snatches, which I haven't done in a long time uh, at 115 pounds which doesn't sound like a lot. And I didn't think it was a lot for when I was actually doing snatches on a regular basis and being prepared to receive a barbell in that position. Um, Did the workout. And two days later, just my shoulder was super hot. So I was worried I had injured it. So I made the modification, cleans felt okay because I kept my arms in, bar wasn't above my head. And um, so I just started doing cleans, rested it, um, was really smart about what I did, modified my workout, so. If you go to a good facility, uh, the, your coaches should help you modify that, and they should be able to tell you if your form is ugly. Um, they'll tell you to take the weight off the bar.
0: Yeah, those are those are always uh, easy adjustments to make. I, I think the challenge that I have had, and, and I think other people have, part of CrossFit that makes it so fun is the competitive side, right? Like there's numbers on the board, and there's scoreboards, and you can log your numbers and see how you rank compared to all these other people how do you balance that piece? Because I think that's the beauty and and kind of the curse of CrossFit sometimes. Like that's what makes it a lot of fun. You know, it adds that competitive sport kind of aspect to it, but it also kind of encourages the ego, which when you're feeling fresh and good, that's, let's go. But when you're not feeling so fresh and good, how do you, you know, how do you modify that or check it back? Um, what do you tell people when, like you need them to back off. They don't want to like, what's your answer or, or how
1: do you gauge it yourself? Well, that does make it a little trickier because there are athletes in the gym that are close to you, my age and that when we work out together, we push each other and it's a good, it's a friendly thing. Like we're going to try and see if we can keep up uh, myself. I just kind of say, okay, what, how are you feeling? What's uh, what's your goal of this workout? And um, again, my why. And then it's tough to keep yourself in check, but uh, that's kind of what I'm feeling like. I'll tell, I will tell—I don't have a problem telling people now because I have experience in checking my ego and um, knowing what my long-term goal is, but I'll just say, hey, look, I know it says 135. I'm just going to do 115 for this workout. I'm just not feeling it. And, and people, I like to do that in front of the athletes at the gym because they know that I've been experienced and I've been around. And I think a lot of athletes look to see what I'm doing at my age um, to kind of, Give them guidelines, or you know, see what's sustainable to do. So if they see me doing that, um, they're more apt to do it. The other thing is, we do still have athletes in the gym, believe it or not. And know this is shocking, but that still, <laughs> and you see them uh, that still still don't want to listen. And I mean, you learn through pain, um, but a lot of times I have to check them and say, "Well, why are you doing this workout? What are you trying to do?" And then I have them verbalize why they're doing the workout, and then a lot of times they'll acquiesce a little bit and go, you know what? You're right. And so kind of like when Jenna checked my ego, I can do that in a friendly way because I had the social capital with them and the emotional capital uh, to do that. Now, if I was just some dude off the street, mm, I don't think I can do that, but yeah. that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. And that's just having a relationship with your coach. Yeah.
0: What, when you di- Can I dive into that why piece a little bit? Yeah. When you refer to your why, are you specifically referencing like, uh, maybe the energy system of that workout, or are you targeting strength versus endurance? Or like, what do you mean by that? When you look at a workout, because I could say, all right, the goal of this is to kind of get your heart rate to this level and keep it there for 15 minutes. Or maybe the goal is, you know, max strength today or working under fatigue or whatever, or is it more the emotional side of, you know, why am I even here today?
1: Well, it's a little bit of both, but I, uh, my ultimate my overarching why is uh why am i doing this why do i choose this type of modality to um be fit and well um and i think if i check that every time that helps me realign my ego as to am i trying to be matt fraser who's you know four five time you know crossfit champion of the crossfit games or am i doing this my why to to just improve every day. And the other thing that helps me and it should help you if you're an affiliate that's good is the coach who should tell you your why physically on what you're looking for, the stimulus you're looking for. So if I know my why being um, what is the point and what is the stimulus as a workout, is it to move fast? And they'll give me a, a window of, hey, people should finish between eight to 10 minutes on this or eight to 15 minutes. If it's taking me 10 minutes to get through the first round, I know I'm picked the wrong weight. Um, And that comes with experience. But um, so it's kind of a multimodal answer. It's like my overarching why and my um, workout why, if that makes sense.
0: It does. That does
1: make sense. I mean, I think your overarching
0: why has to be at the top, right? And then how do I fit the physical side of it into into that goal? Um, It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think you guys do a great job at Cadre with the podcast and, and the coaches in the morning, kind of explaining the the goals of each workout as far as the physical side and what you're targeting. Uh, and you just kind of hope that athletes then can relate to that and, and appreciate it and follow it is, is huge.
1: That's How take kind of relationship too, because think about it. You have people of all ages, you have teenagers all the way up to my mom and her seventies that works out there. Right. So you have the whole spectrum and you should be able to scale that spectrum, but we have to check ourselves with our programming. You know, you know, Lately, we've been doing a lot of stuff, getting ready for the CrossFit Open, um, but there's a lot of volume in there. And then when you're 22, 23 years old, that's not an issue. You can do volume all day. Um, but when you're you know, 40, 50 years old, the joints aren't working as well. Snap, crack, and pop. Just listening at the gym when everybody warms up. <laughs> it's like Rice Krispies, i say. Uh, so we have to be really cognizant of that. So we've had to shift it. We're, we're still reevaluating our programming. So that's a big thing. Um, that we actively need to do on a regular basis so that we make sure that it's all-inclusive um, and that people are hitting what they need to hit as their as an athlete there.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a challenge for group fitness in general, right? That CrossFit and cycle bike, it doesn't matter what it is. You have people coming in with different age categories, different training histories, right? You can be a 23-year-old who's never worked out before. Yeah. Your training history is not going to match the 23-year-old standing next to you. Um, you just haven't loaded the tissue as much, so your adaptations aren't going to be as high. So mm-hmm. trying to individualize a group session is, is always a challenge. I, I used to joke with Clint while at it'd be cool to have like belts, like in uh, martial arts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to be able to demonstrate X, Y, Z in order to get the next belt. And they'd be able to do that movement and, and kind of progress through your, your movement efficiency through, through a system like that. Uh, I, I don't know that you can, I don't know that you can actually pull it off, but yeah, of
1: cool. I you, if you engendered that culture from the beginning, I think you could, uh, maybe hey, you're just going to do, you know, you've proven that you can do safely, do a power clean with the floor, right? Well, you start With a hand clean, do a power clean. And then the next thing you're doing is full cleans, Yeah, you I, could, but it would be a whole nother, it'd be hard. It'd be, it'd be definitely a
0: challenge. I, you know, you, know, when I look at it from a physical therapy side of, of things, the question always becomes when you talk and start talking about that, why, you know, do we need to do snatches? Like, why would I need to do a snatch? Mm-hmm. And do you need it to be able to function in your life? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely debatable, but the things that you learn trying to accomplish that, the flexibility demands of an overhead squat, like if you can overhead squat, well, your, your mobility is in point and the movement control and the learning that it takes to create the timing from the pull off the floor and get into that pull and extension and And just the the practice of learning a skill, I think is so important that I can justify why you would want to do it. But at the same time, you know, I hate seeing people that aren't willing to put in the time to create the mobility to do a snatch or don't put the extra time to practice to do a snatch. And then they just keep adding weight to the bar because the workout calls for it. And and then we run into trouble. Uh, And and that's, you know, in my mind, a, a challenging balance. What, how do you work with athletes in that sense? Like, look, like you literally don't have the capability to do an overhead squat mm-hmm. full snatches are probably not a good choice today. Um,
1: how's that? Yeah. People with their egos and I can have a couple of athletes in mind that have had, you know, pretty been banged up, had surgeries, things of that nature. And I, Think the best, you know that app, Coach's Eye, that you can do slow motion, yeah, um, on your phone. It's a it's a really good app, but the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Uh, came about for a reason. Everything from professional athletes to um, beginners. Once you see yourself on film, uh, you can't deny that that it looks that way. So what I, yeah. what I can do with people that are really difficult is I'll film, well, video them. I shouldn't say film. It's show my age. Um, but I'll, I'll video, a yeah, film. Film? You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I listen, I get it on tape, and people are like, "What?" Uh, so I film them, and then I'll show them. Uh, I'll say, "Hey, here's what I'm seeing. You tell me what you think of the depth of the squat." And then they'll look at it, and, and um, I'll say, "Do you see where I'm saying? Like, you could go about six inches lower." So. I don't think it's a good idea for us to either make this movement more complex. Let's focus on the foundation of what you need to do first to receive that bar um, in a strong position. And then we go from there. And I think that helps people with the egos. Uh, But then there's people that come in and they don't like as you age, you need to, again, as a master's athlete, you need to come in early and warm up or at least work on mobility, do your homework, come in. You can do it at home before you come in. if It's not a long drive and then get it done and then warm up with the class. But you can't come in cold and expect to snatch a barbell like an 18-year-old, even though they should warm up too and have a good habit. So I think the video thing helped helps a lot, um, but it's really tough because people's egos, I man, they want to do everything they see on TV. And there's some people that have shoulder issues, and I said, look, you, you're going to have to kind of write off snatches. I mean, I know they're sexy and fun to see and do, but... I don't think that's going to be in your repertoire now because you've had multiple rotator cuff surgeries and you can't get your arm past you.
0: Yeah, those adjustments sometimes just necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I I talked to John Michael, who uh, of course is one of the coaches at CrossFit Cadre. Mm-hmm. When when he well, this has probably been a couple of years ago, but he used to always cold bar snatch two seventy five. I think like you just walk up to it and just the other day we were joking. He's like, I can't do that anymore. I'm like, how old are you now? 21? Like, what's yeah. that
1: <laughs> old oh,
0: man? Oh man, yeah, you can't cold bar snatch 275 anymore. Um, but he just hit some insane numbers at that uh Olympic lifting meet. What I forget was it two For ninety something. 290, 295, something like that. It's strong. Uh, but it, it is interesting to to kind of see how you know he's already starting to kind of see that evolution of of how he's feeling and uh It's been fun. You know, I'm always kind of just in the back kind of watching and observing and, um, he's been putting in some serious work. Like Mm -hmm. you see him doing his mobility. You're seeing him do accessory strength stuff. He's filming everything and analyzing. Mm -hmm. And so certainly he has some genetic, uh, like he's good genetically. He moves well. He's got great mobility, strong. He's a wiggle. Yes. Right. Right. But, you know, as he's starting to seek out that last, you know, whatever, 20% or 10% that 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 he's looking for, um, he's putting in the work and, and you hope people see see that, you know, it's, I don't know that people always see all the extra stuff that people are doing.
1: Yeah, they don't. And I think sometimes people have unrealistic expectations, not only from themselves and their body, uh, what it's, cap- I mean, the human body is capable of some pretty amazing things, but you have to take care of it. The second piece is realistically, are you going to learn how to snatch in an hour long class? We take 10 minutes of instructional time to do it. No, it's like a golf swing. That's the most complex thing we do. I mean, even just a simple movement, like a deadlift, we'll do them in class, but you need to put the extra work in to make sure you're doing it correctly. Yeah. So it takes extra work outside of that hour long class that we may hit the movement patterns and coaching, you know, group coaching where we're, we're breaking down the movement. You know, maybe a couple times a month. So that's hard for people to kind of get through their crawl too. They can make it, you know, because so many things are incorporated in CrossFit. They feel like they should just be better at everything. Well, you do become better at everything, but it's graduations. It's
0: not, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a athlete. It's a. It's definitely a process and. You know, when I, when I got introduced to CrossFit Olympic weightlifting, I actually started from the Olympic weightlifting side. We were doing uh, performance coaching and it wasn't CrossFit. It was more pure Oli stuff. And, you know, the, the coach Craig Sowers at the time kind of just looked at me, he's like, it's an Olympic sport And in sometimes like Olympic weightlifting is an Olympic sport. Like it's a very highly technical skilled motion to expect to have that thing locked in after, you know even a month or two, six months of, of training, I think it's unrealistic because it is very technical. Um, you can get yeah. close, but
1: it, think, what's that rule The 10,000 rep rule? You yeah. thousand reps before you even start to not master it, but get it, get into it. And it's 10,000 good reps. Yeah. So if you look at 10,000 of anything, like, you know, I work in the medical field, so 10,000 epidurals. Think about that. 10,000 epidurals. That's a lot of good epidurals. Before you can get to the point where you're like, okay, get those little tweaks here and there, but you're um, pretty accomplished at it and, and better at So to get 10,000 in a CrossFit gym, yeah. that's a lot of classes. Yeah. And, and I
0: mean, I, I also want to make sure we point out like you guys at Cadre do an on ramp. So there's a, was it six weeks or a month of?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, we'll do six um, one hour sessions. And what it does is it goes over some of the basics and we just see where people are at and we work on the movements. And then that way, when they come out, we know how they move, where their impingements are, uh, where they should be with their list. We pass that along to the coaches. Um, you know, is this somebody who's going to be doing body weight for another month before they get underneath the barbell? Or is this somebody who's going to just use a training bar? Uh, is it someone who is a, a natural athlete and they just needed some tweaks on the movement? So. That's been a huge help because we used to just, you know, we, we wanted to have the the path, the least resistance to get people in the door uh, and not compromising safety. We just thought we could just do things in class that would help, you know, because we have watchful coaches, but it was just putting too much labor and it wasn't fair to the athlete coming through the door. So we kind of had to get over ourselves for charging for an on-ramp because sometimes people look at those things as a nickel and dime thing. And and we, the way we price it is it's, it's essentially what half price of what, um, our one-on-one session would be and so we kind of try to ingrain that and one other thing uh that we don't we haven't really touched on yet um is nutrition and that's something that is the underpinning of anything successful in life uh, is the way you fuel and recover but especially the fuel it's not a sexiest thing i worked out five days in a row uh or you know seven days whatever people get crazy with but it's really necessary so we're starting to incorporate that into our on-ramp uh to say hey We're so serious about this. Yeah, you have six sessions where we're going to have eyes on you with the coach, but we want you to meet with our nutrition coach because whether or not you utilize that, that's a very important piece to you being successful because you see that all the time. You see athletes come in. They may be the hardest worker in the gym, but they're not seeing the results physically for all their hard work. And so we we have to say, finally, they come to the epiphany of, wow, I, I can't work out and burn... 500 calories in a workout and go home and eat a 3000 calorie, you know, meal, uh, it just doesn't work. And even if you're not talking about calories
0: and weight loss, the quality of the foods and, and the inflammatory effects of that and how your body feels systemically is different when you're eating quality foods versus
1: even things like alcohol. Uh, I noticed when I cut out alcohol out of my life, cause somebody said this once and it really hit home. It's like alcohol is poison. I mean, having a glass of wine at night. Okay. That's cool. But that's the other thing with the whoop is I can tell when I've had a glass of wine or I've had alcohol because it tells me Real quick. It shows up on there. Shows on the recovery or lacquer. So, uh, things in moderation are good. I mean, I, I love scotch. I've told you that millions of times, I like good scotch, but, um, you kind of have to be careful with that. But yeah, like you said, the, the, the inflammatory process you see a lot of, and I'm sure I know I've cleaned up my diet a lot. Um, And when I do adhere to a good uh, nutrition, like I, after I get off with you, I'm going to talk to my nutrition coach. I actually hired the nutrition coach there to be a better example to the athletes that I need somebody uh, looking out for me and making sure to keep me accountable. So that's another aspect. Yeah, for sure.
0: And the part I'm going to circle back to kind of, we talked about doing, putting in time or putting in work outside of the gym. Uh, I know we, we texted the other day about some of the things you're doing from a mobility standpoint. As life gets busy and you got more and more demands, it's always harder to fit in that extra stuff, right? You 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 block out an hour and a half or whatever, get to the gym and and that kind of thing. How do you find time to put in that extra stuff? And and how do you prioritize that? I think is the next question. You know, how do we maximize that that workout at home? So, um, what exactly are you doing right now for your home stuff?
1: Yeah, so essentially what I've done is at the hotel because the floors always creep me out, even though this place is brand new and floors (laughs) are brand new. I always put a towel down. So what I'll do mentally, it gives me a mental edge. Um, the night before, so it's one less barrier, is I will set out my clothes that I'm going to wear to work out in. And when I'm so basically I get out of bed, I'll put those clothes on right away. So there's one excuse down. And then the next thing I do after I pee, it's important you gotta pee when you wake up. Uh then I will I have laid out on the floor here. Uh, a towel and I have their, it's called PSO R I T E, And it started out with a, it's a U-shaped um, piece of plastic that you lay on uh, face down and you put it right above your iliac crest on both sides. So this basically just below your belly button a little bit and it gets into that psoas muscle. That's that sheath that wraps around. That's pretty neglected um, on a lot of people. So for me, I started using that and I really liked it. So I used sit into it. It, it doesn't feel great at first, but you it, it just forces you to take 10 or 15 minutes to breathe and work through that. Um, and then have a, a thing that go, runs along your spine, which is like, um, at first like medieval torture, but, uh, you start to get used to that. So i lay on that in the morning and go up and down my back and move my hands up and over. And that's really helped my immobility and my thorax, um, that my upper thorax is, is not mobile, like you are a testament, you know, how the back is. Um, so yeah. I need to do every trick. So those are a couple of things that I do. I have those two pieces laid out, um, and then I get into mashing on some things, and I just come up with a habit, and I feel so much better uh, when I do that. And then I go do my warm-up with the workout, and I feel like I, I'm not as inhibited, and it doesn't take me to the middle of the workout to get to where I start to feel warm and mobile. Um, so I'm doing some of those things um and just trying to incorporate things. I, I obviously we always say I need to do more yoga, but it, it's hard to find the time of the day. So I just find little pieces that I can do to attack some of my weaknesses. Um and those have really helped a lot. Um yeah. out of the next of my bed.
0: I haven't seen the I've seen the so right? I haven't seen their their spine piece. I think those are two, you know, you talk about thoracic spine mobility and, and hip flexor mobility. Those are two things that pretty much any adult athlete is probably dealing with uh especially we're in front of computers and we're doing everything in that forward flex position. So
1: if you got uh, one second I can grab both of them cuz I'm a visual learner so I can show the Yeah, if you got them. Yeah. Yeah. We can edit anything. All right. So this is the so right.
0: Looks kind of medieval. It is kind of
1: medieval, I think. Yeah. So this sits flat, and then you lay on it, and these two points go um, and right above your leg crest, or like yeah. right this. Uh, and then if you really want to juice it up, use this on your lower back, and then you Eek. can apply how much pr- pressure Yeah, it yeah. It's very analogous to when you get in there, and I make those noises that are painful but good. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I, I always joke that that thing's like a colon mobilizer. Cause
1: <laughs> yeah, if you go, if you go too high, whoo, I mean, there. it
0: sits right there. It's there's no way you're not pushing on it.
1: <laughs> one of the things, Claims of fame is it keeps you regular. So, Oh well, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, moving things down the pipe. Uh, and then this is the so right spine that I talked about. They make one that's oh, flat. That thing's wicked. Yeah. yeah. Make one that's flat like this. I figured as a beginner, uh, I would do that and they have one that's kind of curved. So, so it
0: like put you in extension.
1: Yeah. Put you in extension. And then, um, you can use it on your upper spine too, to kind of help get in there. Um, but those two things have been really helpful for me. Um, and if you follow them, uh, they have a bunch of YouTube videos on how to utilize those for different things. Like you can get into some nasty places I, this, I get into my, you know, scalp area, um, lay on it and you can kind of support your head and, and then just lay on it. Say so your left Scap region, you can get into that. Um, and, and you find benefit
0: of those, like I'm I haven't used those personally. You find benefit for those over, say, you know, lacrosse ball style mobility work or foam roller, yeah, that
1: kind think, of thing. Yeah, the, I think those both have their place. I do have lacrosse balls here if I want to get into a spot, but so far these have been really good because it's like you have two thumbs on more points that just. And, and then when you breathe you just feel it kind of activate and you can adjust the pressure, but I'm just like a lacrosse ball, but it covers more area. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love any kind of mobility tool like that. It, like you're saying, it gives you that opportunity to increase range really quick. Um, cause it, it just, whether it's actually changing the structure of the muscle or not is very debatable. I don't, I don't think most of the time, I don't think we're actually mm-hmm. Stretching or mobilizing fascia or whatever, but it it allows you to relax into it, so it changes the the nerve bias and the tone of that muscle. The key is what you said after you're doing that, and then you're going to work out, so you can hit those new shoulder positions. Now you can train in a new range of motion. start so to lock that pattern in, and it, and it becomes a habit. So I, I love that, and and I also like that you lay it out the night before. That's the hardest part to the workout, right? Is getting there and showing up. So by eliminating that barrier. That's a great idea. I've, I've not done that, but that's a great, yeah, great little a, habit maker. A
1: trick I heard a long time ago, especially setting out your workout clothes. It's just like with nutrition. I mean, it's not fun, but, um, if you have your stuff, like think about it when you go to work and you have choices, um, if you work in a hospital setting like I do, or you work in an office setting, um, when are you going to be at your weakest when you're hungry and tired and a lot of times that happens at work, it, even if you've worked out, uh, you've got the energy level and the peaks and then about noon or so, say someone brings in donuts and and, and something else that isn't good uh, that you know that y- you can have once in a while, but it's just sitting there. You're going to be more tempted to eat that if you don't have good choices versus if I already have stuff packed, ready to go, I don't have to worry about it. I'm hungry. I pop it open, pop in the microwave, whatever, eat it and I'm good. It kind of saves me a lot of time. So. It's not sexy again, but it just helps you stay on track. And that's the consistency and forming habits of, you know, having those options or limiting your options, bad ones anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think that discipline of not having to make that choice or that decision in the moment, you know, you hear these guys talking about, they wear the same clothes every day because they don't, you know, talk about how many choices do you get to make in a day? So they literally wear the same shirt. And yeah. it eliminates one decision from their day the, the brain power, the energy to have to do that. Uh, and it kind of, when you said that it kind of reminded me of that.
1: that I always to wear the same underwear every day though.
0: That's uh, different. <laughs> it's a different, it's a different problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I think it's brilliant, right? I'm, I'm ready to do it. Just get a bunch of, you know, fit logo shirts and just every single day just wear a logo polo and done. Man,
1: relax and you're good,
0: man school uniforms, bring them, bring them back, <laughs> bring them back. All right, man. Well, this was fun. Is there anything else you want to kind of wrap up with one little tidbit
1: for, uh, I, just think I, I, uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for you and I'm really excited to see the things you've done over the years and, and to be able to support you in any way as a, uh, you know, as a friend, as a patient, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, you know, I always joke that real recognizes real, So I try to surround myself with really good people um, at Exhibit A, that would be you. Um, And I just, I couldn't be more proud of uh, the direction you've come, how far you've come and and the direction you're headed. So uh, it's a real privilege for me to have you in my life. And I know Julie appreciates you and and the things that you've done for my family, my parents, uh, all the athletes at Cadre and, and extended beyond that. I mean, you're just very passionate about what you do and you do it for the right reasons. So for me, it's, I was tickled to be be able to come on here and talk to you. Um, I don't know. I just, I want to brag on you a little bit because I know yourself.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I I really do. That means, that means a ton. Um, and and likewise, I thank you for all the support over the years. I mean, you've made things very easy for me. And, uh, I tell people the story all the time when I teach needling courses where you literally told me, Hey, when you want to open your own business, let me know. And, I'll find space for you. And, uh, you know, you've done so much to help me kind of get going and get started. And and we're still kind of rolling and moving forward. So uh, it means a ton. I will also say, anytime I'm feeling lazy or feeling like I'm not working, I'll just be like, well, Jason's probably. (laughs) uh, (laughs) right you got to surround you you want to talk about surrounding yourself with the right people uh between you and um the frank gargano who runs the integrative dry needling i know i know you guys are always grinding and working so when i'm feeling lazy i just take a step back and go all right time to roll oh thanks so i appreciate it uh enjoy the uh warm weather down there in florida and uh hopefully catch up when you get home
1: super bowl sunday that's what
0: you so, doing anything?
1: Uh, one of the uh, nurse anesthetists I work with, I, they're kind of my second family down there. He has younger kids. So I'm kind of uh, de facto Uncle Jason. So I come over there and tell all the dad jokes. They think I'm wonderful. Nice. So i to go there and hang out with his family and watch the Super Bowl. That, that'll
0: be nice. That'll be nice. We're just hoping to stay up past halftime. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Good sleep light, yeah. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for enjoying the fit for tomorrow podcast. Hope you're able to pick up a few things to help you live and move better. We'd really appreciate a like share review or follow in order to help us continue to grow this podcast and help more people like you looking to feel and move better as active adults. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.